Hello, you are listening to The Will and Rob Show. My name is Will Stockdale, Ministry Associate with Ministry to State, here with my good friend, Robert Hassler, uh, Director of Communications with Ministry to State. I wanted to set up a little introduction here in context, because this week's episode is going to be a little different from episodes that we have done in the past. One of the things that Robert and I have talked about, and something we want to try out more in 2021, is bringing on friends of ours, people that we know, for various segments throughout this season. And one of the things that we want to do with that was bring on our friends who know more about certain topics than we do, who are better experts, who are more versed, more knowledgeable in certain areas, and have them talk about certain things that are going on at our cultural moment. And so this week, I'm very excited to have on my very good friend, Duncan Butler. Dunk is the husband of Brighton Butler, who is an Instagram influencer, and she was actually on our show uh, several episodes ago. And so excited to have Duncan here. Duncan is a native of Austin, Texas. He went to Wake Forest and then moved to Dallas, which is where I got to know him. After several years of living in Dallas, he went ahead and moved to Denver for about a year. And then he and his wife just recently moved back to Dallas and are expecting a child. Uh, Duncan is just a blast to be around. I am super thankful for him in my life. Very thoughtful, one of my smartest friends. And so Duncan is also uh, way more knowledgeable than I am and more thoughtful when it comes to investing and the stock market and finance. He works in real estate. And so because of that background, we wanted to continue a conversation that Robert and I started last week, which is this GameStop phenomenon that is happening, this GameStop investing, because we think it has something to do and is part of the same beast that is kind of the populism that is happening in our country, the kind of populism versus the elitism. And so Duncan is here with us. Uh, Duncan, I understand also that you are a descendant of Benjamin Franklin. Am I correct in saying that? Yeah. I mean, someone go do the, you know, 23andMe and and, and validate it for me. But yes, I mean, it has been told to me a hundred times and at a certain point when you hear it enough, it's, it's true. So, you know, okay. yeah, that's the way <laughs> truth works. That's generally how we believe that truth works. And I've heard also that. A, a celebrity that you are descendant that well, not blood descendant, but is in your family tree. And this yes. is yeah. Clark Gable uh, came in to our lives and out of our lives. And it was just obviously a special marriage to say the least, because it lasted, uh, I think, a couple of years, um, but we still appropriate him as a great grandfather. That's great. That's great. I'm sure that he appreciates that as well. Yeah. You know, we, we spoke on this for about three minutes last week, this wild ride that started with GameStop has moved to other stocks. Uh, the, the big ones are GameStop, AMC and silver. They've mm-hmm. not been doing super well. And something that's kind of crazy is how big this is. I mean, the weekend edition of the Wall Street Journal, 60% of the articles on the front page were about this GameStop wild ride. Today, the Wall Street Journal, the front page is Alex Navani, the Russian dissident who has been jailed for three and a half years and GameStop <laughs> on the front page. Those are the leading articles that we're seeing. And so you've helped me a lot. We've talked offline. I don't know anything about the stock market. And so I have asked you for help and you have explained this very well so that I have been able to sound intelligent to other people when I've spoken. So I would love Duncan Butler's take on what you see going on uh, and what you think is happening and um, kind of the the social phenomenon you see happening on these Reddit boards as well. Sure. Uh, Cash, that's a fun question. Uh, Maybe two seconds of background on me so that way there's no one that's making assumptions about my capabilities or not because 
Um, I am not a stock trader. It is not my daily anything. Uh, I really fit into the category of people who are observing, watching, and participating um, as a band of, of, you know, heathens on the internet. Um, and I think that there's something within that, even as myself, that is kind of interesting where um, my, his, my historical background in finance and real estate has always been, you know, what's called a fundamental or technical analysis. We're evaluating things for the merits of the business, the cash flows, um, trying to understand, you know, how steady is that stream of cash and trying to put values on that. And, and, and inherently, that's a good thing to do. That's a wise uh, decision making. Um, those principles, those tenants, um, those foundations that people make decisions on and invest and, in, you know, try to create wealth or even just a way of living on um, are totally thrown out the window with this entire entire just lunacy of it all. And I, I can't get enough of it. It is uh, too much watch TV. Y'all probably saw this, but um, Netflix and MGM have already agreed to a rush order on the production. Um, and they're trying to get it out as soon as possible because the number of eyeballs on this are unbelievable. And it's obviously been circulated through the Elon Musk, the most wealthy man in the world, down to the barstool crowd over through a lot of Reddit people. Um, and I think what we're seeing most importantly is uh, the access of technology. Um, Robin Hood's in the center of all of this because it has brought to the forefront of America the ability for everyday humans to finally get to invest at a, you know, at a level. Uh, whether that's smart investing or dumb investing is somewhat, you know, beauties in the eye of the beholder. But what we've learned is if you can rally enough people, you can make a run on a stock. And whether you like it or not, think it's fair, uh, I mean, that's really a, a plug at the hedge funds. Uh, you can get enough what they're calling retail investors to mobilize on Robinhood and to lift up companies and prop up uh, now commodities and silver in a way that we've never learned before. But I think it's important to note that I think that's all rooted in Bitcoin's prevalence first. I think that the surge that we saw of Bitcoin between 2016 and 2018, the hyper volatility, the craziness of it all, which I was so into, because I, I, it is a roller coaster that is not, I mean, I, I know that there's technical guys out there. I am not one of them. I'm totally fueled by what the internet says and reading Reddit boards and you know trying to find the right Reddit boards, which again, that's a crazy concept that no one should make investment pieces on. But it worked out for me when I was just playing with it uh, five years ago. And now I've got like some some confidence in it. And I shouldn't probably. I, I don't want anyone to ever take away that it's intelligent. Um, but I think we are seeing a shift in power, uh, at least the way that the power is allocated. Um, although the hedge funds kicked back pretty hard already. I mean, GameStop and AMC look like just the fledgling valuation companies that they should be again. Um, I think GameStop's doing a little bit better, but... Um, Bitcoin is a very much the same type of concept, which is, do you really understand what you're investing in? No, but YOLO. And you're kind of seeing it happen. And I, I'm, I'm into it. I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, and as the social piece of this comes together, what we're seeing is it's tapping into a deeper heart component of, I think, of our economy where all of us kind of say, man, I, I'd kind of like to make some money too. And why is it that, you know, uh, you know, the Flash Boys book, the high frequency traders, these dark pool guys seem to always have an edge. And it's because they do. Uh, when you move in and out of stocks with such high volume, you can shift things in such dramatic ways that it can feel like the game is rigged. I, I don't think it's as bad as that, but 
I do think that it's tapping into some deep frustrations as well as, you know, really just utilizing technology at a, in a way that was never anticipated before. Um, if uh, you had told me that Citadel would be on the wrong side of this by making what I would think is a smart investment into Robinhood, I wouldn't believe you, but the PR blowback that they're getting by being um, it looking like they were manipulating Robinhood, to, which they might be, I really, I really don't know. Um, that that seems like something that should have been a good investment into a technology space, but the collision course between their v venture capital investment into Robinhood and their broader stock market public public equities is something that we probably would will spend a lot of time talking about in like hindsight if that was a very pivotal thing in the in, in society. Um, and I think it's kind of centers back to the social piece. Um, you really can't. I mean, I think the Dave Portnoy from Barcelona was on two different media outlets yesterday, just kind of ranting and raving about big hedge funds. And, you know, he is a polarizing guy. And yet there's not a lot of people in the crowd right now uh, arguing against him. So uh, that's a, a long winded answer. But I do think it's probably kind of hits on some of the high points that are maybe hot takes, but also in my core are starting to kind of become true. And I think it's that Robin Hood technology, meaning that Bitcoin frenzy that we're seeing, and it's being dr derived to the market by a, um, a connectivity and technology that we've never experienced before. Um, the banding of uh, uh, the band of brothers mentality from the retail world. I mean, who I don't know. I, I kind of I, I'm, I'm getting fired up just thinking about it. Oh, it's it's incredible the 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 kinship almost that right to be felt between people who have never met each other and honestly have no idea who each other are for the for the right. most part because they're using anonymity on Reddit to hide except for the, the humorous thing is except for the people who have gone on the Wall Street Journal or Fox News or some major interview network and revealed yeah. themselves and said what they're doing here so there's there's this crazy and, that, and that's head. polarizing what's his name out in Silicon Valley we've we've talked about him cut come. I must mess up his name, but he, you know, he's a guy that is kind of people from the retail world are saying, Hey, I like this guy. And he's going to get a lot of shine from being a, on the forefront of Robin hood. That wasn't right type of thing. Uh, it's amazing. If you're, if you're a hedge fund right now, it's kind of bad PR just to be in the business, which is just so fascinating to me. Right. So when go back to the beginning, when you first saw that, that GameStop was surging, when did you see that? And what was your initial reaction to this? Uh, so I have, I, from college, I, I went to Wake Forest, was in the business school. And while I was never smart enough to go do investment bank, or not just not smart enough, I also just wasn't worrying to work hard enough. Uh, the investment banking stuff, several of my friends have made it in their careers to some extent and, you know, are starting to get to a spot where they hear things and I trust them and whatever. One of them follows Wall Street bets like d daily. And he texted me a screenshot saying, uh, I can't say what he said, but it was, it was inappropriate, but also like essentially take note. That. Yeah. Take, take note. This rocket's about to take off. And I was like, what, what is he, what is he going on about? Uh, and I went and jumped into the forum and started reading I mean, pages and pages of people's manifestos about how we're going to take GameStop to the moon. <laughs> and, I, and I said, okay, whatever, let's do this. And I, I mean, it was what, four, $9 a share and got all the way up to 420 or, or, or whatever it was. I think I saw it at 50. Um, and I, I, I can't remember the details because it feels like it's been such a blur, but uh, I jumped in because he was like, whatever. And I think it was like a hundred dollars. And then I, I did put in 
you know, a considerable amount of money, not risky or stupid, but uh, I, I wrote it. Um, I missed my ter- turn to sell as well, um, which was, which was a little frustrating. Uh, and I'm net neutral after stupidly getting into AMC li- late and uh, uh, trying to take a ride on the, 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 a Bitcoin train that I, I really whipped on as well. So anyways, for what it's worth, I'm not good at what I, what I'm talking about. I just have an opinion on it. <laughs> no, but what we're looking for here, and this is what you're bringing us an experiential element to this social phenomenon, that, however long it lasts has taken up a fair amount of bandwidth in the public imagination. Um, so one thing that I was noticing on some of the comments on the red boards, I'd be interested to know if this is what you've noticed too, Duncan, like, how much does the fact that it's GameStop and so many of these guys trading are like young, younger, like 20 something year olds and GameStop holds that like special place in our imaginations? Like how much did it, the, the fact that the, the, the sort of the quote unquote bad guys picked like this darling place in our imaginations, like how much did that have to play into this? If it, I, one of the things I was thinking about is if Blockbuster were in this situation, as I loved Blockbuster so much as a kid if I had the ability to somehow be a part of a salvage story for my Friday, when I would go with my friends to go pick out my movie and buy so much candy, I would do it. <laughs> and so, into and, and so, into so a similar vein where GameStop doesn't really have a spot in a digital economy where, I, you know, Xbox and PS playstations, you just download your video games. Um, it's so filled with nostalgia. And it, I mean, it is a nostalgia shop to a certain extent already, because you can buy used games, but you also, the best place to buy used games is off of eBay because you trade in and out. It's a, lot, it's a much more efficient marketplace. Uh, so you're right. I mean, GameStop having long-term leases that are in high you know, profile retail centers, coupled with the fact that those retail centers probably don't generate a lot of income. It's a fairly busted business model. And yet we're also, they're being like, how do we make sure that Nintendo is ne- never dies? Um, and I think it's, you're dead on. Like, I mean, I've, if there was a GameStop that I could go to, I would 100% buy my next N64 game from uh, GameStop. Uh, I did hear my sister had a really good idea. Uh, I want to run this by y'all. What GameStop should do is pivot to being a, uh, a gaming club. And it's a place where you have a birthday party and you go and you play video games. And it has, you know, it can be healthy in COVID and you can break it up. You can have pizza and you can play all of the Xbox games and all the nostalgia games right there. And it's more of an experience. Um, anyways, that's a, a, a plug to save their business. But I think you're 100% right. Um, the reason Nokia was going up is something that kind of has to fit to that similar model. I know they have some technologies that make sense. Silver doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Uh, but AMC, I think, is a is a is being punished unfairly for the virus. Um, they were at 19 a share in 20 in February, um, which was an outperformed 2019, I believe, or at least on par. Um, and while their you know retail leases were probably eating up cash flow, it, they weren't a broken business. And so for that one, I don't think it's as much, as much about nostalgia. But GameStop, it's like that's where I got, you know, Donkey Kong, like that, that's where, that's where I go. So I think it's a, a great point and one I totally agree with. Yeah. Like I, I noticed in my text with friends offline talking, we would start with like, wow, what's going on with going on with GameStop. And then like about three text messages and you're like, do you remember that time that you would go to GameStop and you trade in like your, all your discs and you get like $12 store credit and you were just digging through. And it, it always ended up in conversations about like, yeah, I like found this game buried deep in like the used pile it ended up being like my favorite video game of all time. Like yes. it's just kind of 
the way that it is. Um, I, I have Duck Hunter still and Super Nintendo Duck Hunter because I got it. Uh, I mean, I was so pumped when I bought when I got that game and it was at a GameStop. And I think I paid a stupid amount of money for it. And I was I, I, it's still an, an investment that I, you know, I, I have to this day. My cousin well, had Duck Hunter and it was it was everything a little boy could want. It was guns. Oh, yeah television and video games i mean it and you could put the key the gun up to the tv and never missed and just blast away (laughs) i never cheated duncan i was always skilled it was always a skilled game well i was bad (laughs) so it's what's interesting to me too about the game stuff thing is this this is actually now the set it's now one of two let's call it populist like video game stories in the news right now i don't know if you guys noticed this the other day but ncaa football for ea sports announced that they're coming back which is another movement that was basically started by people on twitter being like bring back ncaa football you cowards and they're now doing it um which i think uh, is a good like sort of i want to segue this into kind of the what's going on obviously there's a lot of there's a lot of finance uh questions going on uh about technology how are we dealing with day trading versus um, kind of the, the old days of trading, vice versa? There's also this element of what you've kind of been hinting at, which is, you know, the little guys versus the, the big guys. And it seems to sort of fit that moment that we're in. Will and I talked about it a little bit last week because that's kind of the side um, that we're really interested in. So I'd, I'd like to sort of hear your thoughts about as somebody that's in the game, like, how did you see yourself? And you, you've mentioned it already a little bit, but maybe flesh it out a little bit more for us. Like, how did you see yourself in that, that uh, situation? Yeah, I think the number kind of phrase, the phrase I think to is I was jumping off the cliff if my buddy did. That was my, my I was very much a follower um, and uh, justified by the fact that I, I, I just genuinely thought it was fun. Um, I, I, I had no problem kind of saying, Hmm, at, at the worst case, I, I would hate to miss, uh, out on a, on a good time. And at the, you know, at the best case, maybe I make a little, little cash and in either scenario would be, it'd be good. Um, I like to read everything on, on, I like to read Reddit when it makes sense, because there are some very fascinating humans, uh, on the internet. And, you know, I, I've always been kind of interested in, in, in learning those things, but, um, I'm also kind of deeply influenced by what my wife does. She, uh, I think had her on the podcast, but she is an influencer and I have seen the way she has helped businesses just, I mean, there are several, I mean, she should have deal tombstones on her, on, like hanging on her house for companies that she has taken to new uh, heights. And it's always, it's been something I've always admired about her is her willingness to kind of invest uh, and rally a 400,000 people that follow her. Um, two companies that serve a great cause in a similar vein. And I think that this is a stretch, but I, I don't, I don't think it's so such a far stretch is I, I kind of am influenced by the people who are kind of saying, look, it's kind of fun to be the little guy. And I kind of, I, I associate with that. And the truth is, is I'm never going to have enough cash to get to invest alongside Melvin capital management anyways, because their minimum check size is probably a million dollars of cash. And they take, you know, this is a little bit more finance than maybe you'd like to hear, but they take really large fees on top of the, the minimum restrictions. And they're able to, in my opinion, make movements in the market that I could never replicate. And so to me, it feels sometimes like a loaded deck that if I had money, I would want to be on the other side of, but I don't. Instead, I am, you know, I'm on my own little island trying to make my own piece. 
And so when you're playing against a situation that feels rigged, I'm not saying it is, although I think that there are uh, a lot more leniency sometimes given to stock market plays than what just happened with GameStop. It was just so dramatic that it, you know, it was interesting. Um, but I, you know, I, I, I would, I would say that I got there because of the social element of it. And by feeling attached to the, I mean, it's so funny. Robin Hood's name is inherently meant for this. It's, you know, it's a, a, a distribution of wealth to the poor, right? That was, he was a communist or socialist, if you will. The entire idea of Robin Hood was, was to make this for the retail investor. And when the retail investor learned how to use it, we did. And I don't know, I, I kind of get excited by that. Um, and I think the last thing that I'm influenced by with that is I personally uh, have raised money through a platform uh, for in real estate called CrowdStreet, where they um, take retail investors of much smaller check size, and they give access to someone who's a little bit younger in his career uh, equity. And if you don't want to invest in the deal, it's totally up to you. But the deal that we did on CrowdStreet is performing amazingly. I would never be able to have done that project without something like Robinhood to create the opportunity and the outlet. And so I think because I was such a beneficiary of that system and it helped my career um, and I was raising money in March on March 22nd. So that's a week into quarantine. Like no one was investing in it. it still worked because the little man was like, Hey, I love to do institutional real estate and I, I'll never get to invest with Goldman Sachs, but this deal is a deal that Goldman Sachs would do. It felt really good. Um, it felt promising. I felt like I was serving a broader niche, not in some like amazingly, superhero way. I was there for profit just as much as I was for prudence, if you will. But I, I, I was really interested by the fact that the average check size into a real estate deal was $33,000 when they're typically like a million five. And like that to me was really, really interesting to be able to play into. So there's a part of that there as well that I, you know, I, I feel a kinship to if, if you know what I mean. You know, maybe not to overly spiritualize things too much, but it- or would like to go there a little bit. I think it's an interesting commentary or something to consider about the way that we do view our money in, in the sense of people do want to have their money to be a part of something. And sure. people who do make larger amounts of capital are able to do more. People who don't are able to do less, but there's still this desire. And that can sometimes be investing that can also come to giving and being generous. I am thankful for you and Brighton and for y'all's generosity towards ministry of state also really appreciate being mentioned on her uh instagram earlier this week we're going to try to leverage the platform a little bit more generously than we have before well yeah that well that's awesome that's super exciting and just the idea of we do want to steward our capital our, our our money the resources that we're given we do want to use them well and i think there's probably something deeply human that you've said and how people have wanted to either be in a real estate deal um of course there's kind of the seedy underbelly of wanting to like stick it to the man, which can be a, a dangerous place to, to let our hearts go. Um, but in a chance to be a part of something exciting, I don't know, there may be some bad to that, but I think there's probably a lot of good. I think, I think we've learned that there is a bifurcation between the ultra wealthy, um, the COVID created uh, statistics about how there's a percentage of America that disproportionately crushed it this year, whether we like it or not, the rich got richer um, and I, I had a fine year. I'm not going to complain about that myself. But at the, at the same time, uh, I think there's something uh, wise about stewarding capital correctly, um, because one of the things that you really can't get back is time. And so when you're thoughtful about investing, you may uh, lose um, and those losses are going to happen. And you, you need to not be stupid um, and be wise. You need to have wisdom. Um, but I also think the ability to potentially make some money 
while you're not working and while it is an opportunity for freedom for your family. Um, I think that there's an opportunity to get your kids' colleges more addressed more quickly um, without it being about greed, it being more about, hey, this vehicle is here. If I knew that there was stable cash flow investments available, I would do them. But the truth is, is I don't even know how to get to those. I am terrified of the stock market because whenever I seem to buy a stock that someone recommends, it goes straight down. That is a normal, normal story. I, I think that there is something to be said for that on the, I mean, as you know, one of the things I love to do is make money and then give a lot of it away because, you know, I, I've got a, a, a wife that does, you know, well financially as well. It's fun. It's fun once you make an investment to then pick it a, a for me to make a place to give that feels like an investment because I like to be hands on with the people that I uh, donate to just because I care. Um, and that's that to me, one of the great things about investing or at least doing them smartly, which I'm still young and, you know, I, I haven't realized, you know, the bulk of the things that I've worked on personally yet, but assuming they work out. In, in terms of, you had mentioned, you know, stewarding, giving away our resource that we've been given. And you also mentioned Barstool. Dave Portnoy, founder of Barstool, has become, he was already something of a phenomenon, not a phenomenon. He was a, a, an icon. He's, his, he's somewhere between a zeitgeist and an icon and something and like a lightning rod. Um, yes. Yes. You know, it's, it's all of it because he has have his, he has his thumb on the internet polls. He's, he's got the internet figured out. Um, and he's been through all, I mean, I've, I listened to his podcast, so I think he's, a, you know, he's outrageous. Uh, and I think he, he understands that about himself because he's probably a lot of it is a bit, um, a lot of the times, but when you see someone who not, he given, I don't know what they're at 33 million, but see, you started this thing. They have so many different enterprises that they've given considerably from, and, you know, you can have a, a, a real hatred of his, you know, womanizing or what that looks like. It's certainly of the world. Um, and I, I understand both sides of it, but the Barstool fun thing going after small businesses resonates with me quite a bit. Um, is I don't know. I, I think it's, I think it's fascinating. I don't know. I don't really quite know what to do with it because um, he seems to be doing some things the right way. Yeah. So, Right. And he, um, there have been stories, he describes himself as prickly. I mean, he describes himself yeah. as a, a kind of a tough, tough nut. He's not like someone that's, he's probably be fun to be around for a lot of people, but he's not necessarily sure. warm. However, he has been incredibly generous and has helped out a lot of people from a conviction um, that is seen in a lot of his videos and, and his opinions on the way that, that the shutdown has been handled in large yep. areas. And then you mentioned that he has his thumb on the internet pulse. And I think that's right. But he's, you mentioned an icon. He's also something of an icon right now. And there's two sides to it. It's not all bad and it's not all good. But sure. What, what is what is Dave Portnoy? Um, and for those of you who don't know who are listening, it's worth. I don't necessarily don't know know if I'd recommend listening to him because he's pretty foul mouthed. But at least knowing who he is in the cultural milieu, he is he is a fairly relevant. Well, character. to jump in there real quick, I mean, I would also add like, you know, we talk a lot, Will, on this show about discipling and and who's who's discipling people. Yeah. If you don't believe that for uh, young men. Uh, sort of in college and their young professional life, uh, you know, those few years af after college, especially before you get married. I mean, I, I don't know a single person in that demographic of my friends who doesn't listen to at least one Barstool podcast. I mean, Barstool is absolutely a huge discipler of young millennial men. The, uh, 
the, I remember my first interaction with, I had never heard of it. I went to school in um, North Carolina at Wake Forest, which is a liberal arts school. And you have a ton, a ton of kids from Boston and New Jersey and New York. I was from Austin, Texas. I hadn't had a lot of exposure to a lot of the Northeast environment. And they all, uh, I remember the blackout tour, Barstool blackout tour was coming through Winston-Salem. There was a guy, I can't remember who, but he had a song out, I Love College or something like that. I mean, it was right, even then, right on par with what I was expecting from a party, all that. That was my first introduction. And they were doing, you know, they had all that stuff. And, you know, you kept tuning in because there were some guys who had some funny takes that were, you know, whatever. And you knew it was a lot of times it was a joke. And, you know, I think that if you're not in on it, you may find it to be very serious. And I understand criticism that comes, you know, with some of that. But I don't know. I think there's something to be said for the fact that they don't take life too seriously. And they figured out how to convey that across a lot of different platforms, because I now listen to I I listen to their hockey podcast. I listen to their pardon my take podcast. I always have. And then now they've got a football one called Busting with the Boys. All three are fabulous. Uh, They're fun to listen to. They got something cooking that is, uh, it feels like, you know, it it probably is some frat boy bro mentality type stuff. But at the same time, there's also some freedom to like have a corner of the internet that you're not feeling like constantly attacked. Um, And maybe you're not being (laughs) endorsed, maybe you're not being endorsed, but you're also kind of being like, at least we're not taking something so seriously um, that you're going to be canceled for everything that you do. So I don't know. I, I'm with you. Yeah, I, I think there's, oh, whoops. I think there's something there uh, that they've figured out uh, that I, and I'm rooting. It's weird. I, I would say I'm rooting for them. Um, maybe because I just like the pin gambling stock. I got in, he was yelling stocks always go up and I, and my mob mentality jumped in, uh, in like June. And now that sh- stock is like at $105 a share when it was at like $4 at the beginning of the pandemic. It's really impressive what they've done to a gambling company. Well, I was going to, I was going to ask if we wanted to sort of get into this last point. Cause you said, well, I think you were, you were bringing it up Dave Portnoy, sort of the icon thing. And Duncan, you, you got to it a little bit at the end there where you said something like, uh, you know, it's that part of the internet where you don't have to worry about being canceled or where you don't. Mm-hmm. And there's this element that Dave Portnoy sort of, is representing and a kind of barstool that comes with them representing this new uh almost movement of uh i don't know what you want to call it populism that might not be the right word but some some kind of ground uh uh, uh grassroots movement of, of mm-hmm. almost political it's not but it's not yeah. political it's this weird thing there was this recent uh article that will and i were sharing with each other um it was called uh, the the rise of the barstool conservative. Conservative, and, yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, and um, I don't, I, I don't think we can tackle the whole thing in this this conversation because it's too big. But there's something this like GameStop story, the fact that Dave Portnoy is connected to it. There's this and Elon and Elon Musk and Elon Musk is, is yeah. weird too. It's it it's starting to kind of all come together, and then you could even kind of say just what we've what the nation's been through in the last four years, um, was sort of the rise and of of President Trump and what his movement represented. There's this weird thing that's going on that I think no one knows really quite know what to call it yet, but it's, it's there. We just don't know what it is. I'm just trying to figure out what that is. It's amazing. Uh, I I remember Dave went and uh, interviewed Trump in the middle of the summer, and I was not a I'm, I was not a fan. I'm not a proponent of the way Donald Trump essentially talks to people and his communication style. It feels it, what I don't like is the idea of 
the fruits of the spirit and tender, tenderness and kindness and a lot of things that he just abandoned on from day one. Uh, it's a very condescending tone. I, I believe he's been effective in some capacities. What Dave did was show that bar- there are a lot of people who follow Barcelona that were not pleased by that decision. And I think it brought to the forefront that there are people who are very much the Trump crowd and that populace and they're, um, maybe got to Barstool through, they bought Old Row, which is, uh, you know, on, on Instagram, they're kind of outspokenly, seem to be outspokenly Trump people in their college, and it's very Southern. Uh, I don't identify with that person at, at all. Um, personally, I think that there's a more uh, neutral spot for people like me who kind of say, I don't think Biden's the answer. I don't think Trump's the answer. What I really would just like to be to have the conversation somewhere in the middle and not do it in such a way that you're going to get creamed on the internet or in personal life. Um, and just like, kind of like, I, I think of it as you said, pre- populism, which I agree with, but also just pragmatism. It seems like a rise of this, it, whether we think it, whether someone else thinks it's pragmatic or not, the internal group that associates with that, I think are just saying, this is what makes sense. It, why, why are the things happening? Just don't make sense. Um, I'm not trying to be socially for or against a, abortion or any of that. I'm literally just saying, this is what makes sense to run the country. And why is it that we've become so polarized? Can we not live here in the middle? And I feel like that is, I think it's, I personally think it's the, actually the louder population that's associating with Barstool now because their podcasts are very, they're not making political statements. They're talking about sports. I, I bet you a lot of them are more liberal bending uh, writers, journalists. They, you know, they're from the Northeast. So I, I think it's interesting because I just, I think it's somewhere between practice pragmatism and populism we're seeing something rise um and then there's also a, a crowd that is so loudly against it and anything that stands for that it i don't know who's in it but it's very uh it, it still is very tense uh, but i think i think you're onto something i'll be curious to see if they're able to quantify it or if it's maybe just because we're all so close to it as kind of being the perfect demographic for barstool um that we're kind of it's as close to our face maybe we don't see the forest for the trees type of yeah, our, our trees for the forest mentality, but it does seem to be kindling when you look at the top podcasts. The top ten are, I think, I think three of them are from Barstool, um, and you know that's insane to think about what their resources are or were versus Spotify or Sirius XM or anything like that. If if you know what I mean. Yeah, you mentioned pragmatism, and it's it's interesting to think that a lot of it is a desire for some kind of immediate results. Like it's a pragmatism for the immediacy of some kind Just of- Just give the money to the small businesses. They need help. Like that's, it's something like that. You know, it's like, hey, I understand we need to get a $2 trillion package done, but what about right now? Can we not figure something out right now? That's just inherent, seems pragmatic to me. Um, or I could call it pragmatic because it's, like you said, it's, there's something immediate about that. Hmm. Well, it's very Tocquevillian. It's very, <laughs> very lo- using the, the local networks, the associations that exist to generate change. I appreciate um, you putting Tocqueville in next to any conversation Barstool Sports is having. I'm sure that I'm about to say that's probably not flattered. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, good thing Alexis is maybe he's rolling over in his grave. Maybe he is displeased somewhat <laughs> at all of this. Um, What's interesting to me is I think there is, is it still located like root for Tim Allen and home improvement or is, is that a bad guy now? And I'm like, I love Tim Allen. And home improvement. <laughs> like that's as a guy who's about to be a dad in a month. Like there's a lot about what he does that makes me laugh. And also like, I'm sure I'm going to be that dad in some capacities. You know, this is a great place for us to land the plane for one teeing up super excited for you and Brighton and 
baby coming on the way. You guys are settled and moved in. Super thankful um, that you came on the show. Loved hearing your thoughts and takes. And we'll uh, maybe we'll do a couples uh, session in a few months. Uh, Duncan, thanks for being on. Robert, as always, good to be with you. Thank you all for listening. Uh, you can check us out on Twitter at uh, Robert is at Artie Hassler. I am at Stockdale Will. Duncan, are you on Insta? Oh, yeah. Duncan T. Butler, all one word. And then and then Brighton is? Brighton the day. Brighton the day. Follow them both. You can follow them together. I imagine that if you follow Brighton, it'll be easier to follow Duncan than if you follow Duncan than it is to follow Brighton. That's probably. I, uh, I'm a hard I'm a hard follow because uh, I don't get on Instagram very often. So, okay. but once I do, I'll, 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 I'll uh, be sure to jump on. I spend more of my time on Twitter and in Reddit. Well, that's a deep dive right there. So totally understood. <laughs> Thank you all so much for being with us and we'll be back with you next week.